Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm joined today by Hui Huen from the Alabama Woodworker. Hello, Sean. Hey. And Guy Dunlap of Guy's Woodshop. Hey, Sean. Hey. Hey, Hui. Hey. Hey. This podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and to give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign, and we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Thomas Lyons and Matt Mays. If you'd like to support the show, we're simply asking for a small donation to cover the costs of bringing you this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our shops. But with that, let's get right into it. Hui, what's your first question? All right. So Tim in North Carolina came up with two questions. I'm just going to do the first one because I think that'll be good enough uh, to cover the time for what we've got today. Uh, Save the second question for another time. But Tim in North Carolina asks, when using a hold down clamp to prevent wood movement, for example, on the Incra 5000 crosscut sled, I find that often the wood moves or veers slightly as I tighten the knob to hold the clamp against the workpiece. Have you experienced the same? If so, how do you deal with it? Would adding some sandpaper to the bed of the jig potentially create other inaccuracy uh, accuracy issues? You think? Thanks. Um, yeah, so I, I have the Incra 5000 crosscut sled. I also have my own crosscut sled that I made. And I do use the hold down clamps, particularly for big things or for uh, very wide pieces. And I have had the occasion where uh, the wood will move slightly or veer. And it's all dependent on the angle or how the bolt on those hold down clamps are positioned to the workpiece. Uh, one thing that I found that helps is actually putting a, a like a clamping call sort of underneath uh, one side of the hold down clamp. And that sort of lifts the uh, one side that's offset on the hold down clamp so that the bolt is somewhat straight up and down. And that helps from preventing the workpiece from veering. Uh, Sean, I know you've added things like sandpaper to a, not a crosscut sled. Miter gauge. Miter gauge, yeah. Any tips for him to sort of prevent the workpiece from moving and have you experienced, because I think you have the 5,000 now, don't you? Yeah, I do have the, I've had it for a couple of years now and I don't use the hold down knobs in that, to be honest with you. I just, I use my hands, <laughs> but no, I mean, what you said, I think makes sense. You know, you need to, uh, put something on the backside of the clamp, the toggle clamp to raise it, to raise it up a little bit. And, uh, that, that would help with it. Um, sandpaper, you know, obviously would, would work as well. I mean, I find that putting it up uh, on the fence is probably your best bet. I wouldn't put it on the surface of it because then you could potentially throw off the, uh, the angle of the cut. You may, your blade may not be direct, you know, exactly perpendicular to the, to the bed at that point, if you're putting sandpaper down. Um, but I, th- I think what you said, as far as, uh, propping the backside of that clamp up would, would be a pretty good tip. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about you guy? I know you have a 5,000 as well. Uh, do you ever yeah. experience that? But I, I think you use hold down clamps for other things outside of just the Crosscut sled, though, right? A lot, of, a lot of hold-on clamps. That's a that's a very common problem. So you you tighten it down. If you put the piece, of, let's say you got a fence mm-hmm. that's you know towards you, and then you've got a piece of wood on there, and then you've got a clamp and a T track, and that you put that clamp perfectly perpendicular to the fence. Yeah, and you tighten it down. As you tighten it down, it's going to pull that piece of wood away, away. from the fence. So, and that's the gist of what he's saying. So what I do in that situation, if, especially if I'm using it, this really only works if you're using a stop. I turn it at like a 45 degree angle or as big an angle as I can get on it. So uh, yeah. when I tighten it down, it forces the piece against the stop. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there are times when you don't have that piece and, you know, it, it's just one of those things. Uh, the putting the and you know, the, the, specifically the anchor hold downs, putting another piece of wood under the other side of it, like you mentioned, we that is a fix. Uh, I oh, I have a couple little pieces uh, cut off of leather. Oh yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. That I that I usually put under those because I don't want to dent the wood either, and. The, the other thing is we, we tend to 
torque things more than they way need to be. too heavy. Yeah. And they don't need to be. Just tighten it down till it's snug. So in other words, you're tightening it, you're tightening it, you're tightening it, and then it stops. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. Yep. Don't give it a quarter turn or a half turn or anything else. Just snug it and leave it alone. Yeah. Um, I find that helps quite a bit too. Yeah. Well, Tim, I hope that helps. And uh, Tim, we hadn't forgotten your second question. We just want to make sure that we give uh, an equal amount of time to all the questions. So with that, let's uh, move to the next question from Guy. All right. This comes from Lindsay. And Lindsay says, hey, fellas, I'm going to be making a 72-inch wide by 14-inch high by 14-inch deep credenza with a mitered waterfall edge out of walnut with a finished thickness of three-quarter inch, all four corners mitered. So it's a, it's just a big box. There will be three to four drawers in it, and my initial thoughts were to do it out of a solid wood, but I am now wondering if using walnut plywood would be a better choice as it is more stable than solid wood. I plan to use a domino to join my edges, but not really sure how to account for wood movement on a large mitered box. Love the podcast, and I've learned a lot from you guys. Please keep it coming. Thanks, Lindsay. So a piece of solid wood that big, especially using mitered edges like that, is actually going to be fairly stable because all the wood is going the same way. You're only really going to have a problem when you have cross grain. Right. Where right. part of the, the, the material is moving one way and the other material is moving the other way. So with a, a box like this, doing it solid all the way around, I really wouldn't be that worried about it, to be honest with you. I don't think you'd have to really do anything to account for wood movement. Yeah. Um, you can go the plywood route and it will be very stable. It will never move, but you also are going to have to put, you know, solid edging on the front mm-hmm. to, to cover that up. You know, it really depends on what kind of look you're, you're going for, you know, solid wood, certain types of veneer and certain types of veneered plywood actually look pretty darn good especially to get like a one where it's, you know, yeah. an a on the a face and, you know, it's the highest grade face you can get. Um, and it actually looks pretty good, but you have to be sure to match your edging to right. that, to that plywood, which is a trick with a solid wood piece. You don't have to worry about that. It's just, I, I think it'd be better to go with the solid wood. Yeah. If you're worried about wood movement, if that's the only reason you're you're shying away from using solid wood, don't let that stop you. As Guy said, the wood's all moving the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, across the grain and there's no real reason you, you won't really benefit too much from going with, you know, with plywood over solid wood on this scenario. You know, unless unless you just don't have access to to the lumber, you know. But yeah, I, I would I would give this the uh the uh the solid wood a chance and uh mm-hmm. and use that over plywood yeah I, I i would agree i think the only reason at least for me why i would go with the either walnut plywood or veneering it myself is just getting all straight grain and getting it to look consistent all the way around yeah. um I, I think would be the only reason why i would go the plywood route which would look really if you can get it done right and matched well and get that waterfall looking really, really uh, nice and integrated, it would look really nice. Um, so that I think that would be the only reason that I would go the plywood route. Yeah, I've I've built a box like this before, a credenza uh, mid-century modern piece that's in my living room right now. And it's plywood, but I, I cut all the veneer myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 16th of an inch thick. And... It looks really good. It you know it looks like solid wood. You can't tell the difference. Right. Everything right. is color matched because I when you do the veneer yourself, you have a lot more control over that. Yeah. And when yeah. You, you go if you go the you know uh, the, the route of getting it from a supplier, it's a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. So 
Now you you put your own solid wood edging on there. I think what was it about th- two and a half inches wide because you put a bevel on that edge. Yeah, right? I think I put like two or two and a half inches. There, I, I have a video of it up on my YouTube channel if you mm-hmm. want to take a look at it, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I put solid wood on the edge on the uh, of the plywood, and then I veneered right over both. Mm-hmm. So you can't really tell. Right, right. It came out really nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Time-consuming. Very time-consuming. It was time-consuming. There was a lot of veneering in that project, but I'm really happy with it. Right. So right. Um, that's – but if you've got the, 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 the lumber and you're ready to go, do it solid. Yep. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. All well, right, Sean. You got Tom, the next one. Yep. <laughs> I'm also the host. <laughs> Yeah, he's, I know. he's got well, the control thing going on. I know. <laughs> I do this so often. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I don't know. Here we go. All right. This is from, uh, so my first question is from Brent Jarvis. I was wondering clean if any, I'm sorry. Is that a clean cut woodworking? Yes. Who is that guy? <laughs> All right. This is, yeah, that, this is Brent's question. I was wondering if any of you use your woodworking tools for materials other than wood. I've always been weary of using my table saw or bandsaw and such for cutting things like acrylic or even aluminum sheets. I since have made the router sleds and I have found myself more and more using my woodworking equipment to cut these two materials in particular. Now, I do not use my expensive woodworking blades for this purpose, but I was just curious if any of you used your equipment for different materials. Thanks a bunch for wasting your time to keep my interest peaked just enough to listen to every episode in hopes that one day I'll learn something. Ouch. Yeah. Ow. That hurts. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, Brent's is, a good guy. This is what we do. This is what we do. Um, you know, I use, like you said, I've cut, a, a, I've cut acrylic, I've cut aluminum sheets, I've cut thin brass on the, on the bandsaw. I don't do it on the table saw. Um, just because I haven't really need to, I've done a lot of that stuff on the CNC machine. But I, I, what I use my woodworking tools primarily for outside of woodworking is is leatherworking. You know, I use uh, I use a lot of the blades, like the um, I make a lot of templates using um, plywood, and I'll scribe stuff using my marking knife. I'll cut stuff uh, using my blades and stuff to cut the leather, and you know, I will oftentimes use the same the same dye uh, if I'm using you know if I'm if I'm dyeing a piece of leather or you know, I've used the, the leather dye on wood before, um, but I often use the use quite a few of the tools um, switching back and forth between leather working. You know, I've, I've used a chisel to skive some of the leather. I know that's not the right the right application for that, but, you know, it it works in a pinch because, you know, I needed a piece to be thinner and that worked out pretty well. Um, and I use, you know, none of the heavy machinery for cutting anything. Uh, leather, but I use quite a few of the hand tools for that. Um, that, that worked pretty well. Um, you know, outside of that, um, you know, I pretty much have just stuck with the same acrylic aluminum brass sheets on the bandsaw. And I've done a lot of milling of aluminum and brass on the CNC machine using, you know, the router bits on there that works pretty well. But, you know, I don't get too crazy with anything outside of that, um, that I can think of on either definitely not doing the table saw because I don't no, I don't want to take a chance yeah. with uh tripping that. Um, even with the bypass on, I just don't want to take a chance, but, um, have you guys cut any materials outside of what I discussed and what Brent discussed on this, on your tools? Well, I cut aluminum quite often on my tools. Um, you know, things like miter tracks and stuff like that. And I typically use the uh, the miter box, but I do have a, a separate blade for that. I have a separate blade for my table saw. And on my, I have a small 10 inch bandsaw that oh, I yeah. have a, uh, um, a rheostat on and a bimetal blade wow. that I can put on there. And I turn the speed of the saw way down and I can actually cut metal using that little tiny bandsaw, which is a really nice way to do it. Um, but I have used my table saw before. 
And I've, like, again, I've got a special 10 inch blade that, that I've got marked on there used for metals. It's got carbide yep. teeth on it. It's going to be hard. Carbide is going to be harder than, you know, aluminum, brass, stuff like that. I'm not sure about copper. I've never had to cut copper. Um, I'm sure carbide's higher than copper, so you can use that also. But I've cut things, you know, like PVC. Yeah. Um, I haven't cut much plastics. But again, I use the the other blade for that. I don't I don't take like my woodworker too and start cutting up aluminum on it. Yeah. Yeah. I've cut acrylic on my table saw and I totally used the wrong blade. It was too high of a rake angle and it just kind of chipped away at areas of on the acrylic. So uh, keep that in mind, but I've cut aluminum, uh, like, like you said, guide the T track and whatnot on my, uh, miter saw. But at the time I had a different miter saw and I had a non-ferrous blade, um, for non-ferrous metals. And I've since sold that saw, which had, was a 12 inch blade. And now I've got the Festool Capex and I have not bought a different blade for it. So I have not gone through the trouble of cutting aluminum on the miter saw unless I get, I, I don't know. Guy, have you bought uh, a non-ferrous metal cutting blade uh, for the Festool Capex? Do you have one? No. Okay. I actually have you, uh, right now I use the original blade that came with the saw it got dull mm-hmm. <laughs> i replaced it with uh with the tenru blade yeah which yeah. i really really like it's awesome right um so you use the old I blade keep, to cut aluminum i use the old blade to cut aluminum gotcha okay yeah i have not replaced my blade yet so probably when it gets dull enough i'll I'll do that. Um, but uh, also, I do use like an angle grinder for woodworking type stuff. So uh, I've done some power carving and uh, using those carbide discs, those uh, dished out discs on the angle grinder. So I've used some metal cutting things for woodworking application. And then when I was making the base assembly for my CNC machine, I was using the angle grinder as well for that. Obviously, that's intended for metalworking, right? Um, but then I also have a special circular saw blade that I used in my circular saw for cutting um, metal strapping. I think uh, the max thickness is like eighth of an inch or something like that. So, um, you know, not intended to really cut thick material, but I have done it with a circular saw as well. And that's about it. And obviously, we all use our chisels for paint cans. Yep. Yeah, oh, I of course. About that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what is it, uh, guy? What is Justin? He cuts foam with his bandsaw, right? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he cuts big blocks of foam and little blocks of foam by the tens of thousands. <laughs> I remember when he had that job. <laughs> he was well, doing got, it for he's like weeks. It a couple times. He's done like two or three of those where it's taking these and they're cutting it for, I think some kind of packing material and he's getting these big, huge sheets of styrofoam of foam and they have to be cut into like a try. I think it's like a triangle shape and That's they, crazy. it's very specific. And it, it he, it, it was kind of cool to watch the evolution of it because he started doing it one way. Yeah. And then as time went on, he found these little, uh, perks i don't say perks but um he found a, a better way of doing things mm-hmm. and it just progressed to this automatic type thing and it was pretty cool to watch that's justin de palma by the way yeah so <laughs> that's crazy didn't he have an arm or like a like a pneumatic arm or something that was pushing it through yeah. you would just feed it yeah it was... had, had a pneumatic arm yeah. that would push it through and then knock it off the, the saw. It was, it was crazy. What, uh, I mean, yeah. he was literally doing thousands upon thousands of it. So yep. I can understand. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, Brent, hopefully that will keep you listening to the next episode at least. If I not, learn something. Yeah. If yeah. not, we'll submit another question. We'll see if we can't keep you tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'm going to pass it off to uh, Hui. 
Well, this question actually segues well with the question that you had, Sean. Yeah, this I saw from, that when you picked your question. I was like, yeah. Oh. This is Nick. Uh, what tool or machine do you use for something it's not necessarily intended for? I want to hear more than I use every tool as a hammer. Funny. For example, biscuit joiners are intended to align two boards, but people also use them to make Z-slots for Z-clips or table saws to make cove cuts instead of a shaper, etc. I'm curious to hear if you guys have any neat tricks up your sleeves. As always, love the podcast and keep up the great work. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've used the biscuit joiner um, not too long ago um, to create a, a skinny, narrow slot for a piece of string that had to fit inside uh, something that I was, I was fixing for the house. Um, I think it was, uh, it was for, uh, a set of blinds that, uh, a string had to pass through and, uh, I just cut a piece of, uh, piece of plywood with a, with a slot using the biscuit joiner. Um, how about, uh, how about you, Sean? What do you, any, any thoughts of an alternative use for a tool that it wasn't intended for? Mm, I'm drawing a blank. I mean, really? I really, I really use my machines now for their intended use. So I don't have, <laughs> I don't have much. Not I, I can't, I can't think of anything. Honestly, I really can't. Nope. How about you, guy? You got anything? Well, I, I, I think where Sean and I are kind of lost on this is what the definition of intended use is. Mm. So, you know, like he, he was asking about the. Uh, cutting a cove on the table saw if you're familiar with that you 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 raise the blade up and then you put two boards on the clamp it to the the table saw at an angle and then you run the board through at an angle and you slowly raise the blade up and it creates a cove cut on the inside Mm -hmm. i I don't know if that's an unintended use yeah that's a good point and that's that's where i'm having trouble answering the question i guess um, I mean, I've made a lot of different jigs over the mm-hmm. years that, that go on band saws, router tables, yep. table saws, all kinds of things that, you know, at the time I thought were creative and it's like, wow, nobody's ever done this before. And then sure enough, then, oh yeah, they have. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's a tough question to answer. Yeah. Other maybe- than, other than, you know, the, the whole <laughs> I've opened up a paint can with a chisel, but sure, only my sure. Lee Nielsen chisels. Yeah. Or you're only. using, or you're using a biscuit joiner to pump a tire up, you know, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. My brain goes like straight to that completely unintended use. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't have anything. Well, I think what, what you're talking about guy is finding creative ways with the tools that you have to get the job done. Right. And yeah, and and I think that might be even broaden the possibilities more for answers that we can sort of give Nick. Okay, so here here's one that I I just thought of. Well, actually, I didn't just think of it, but um, there's an accessory. It's called the little lipper. Fastcap sells it, and I've got that little Dewalt uh, trim router guy. I think you have it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know people have done this before, but they. Fastcap obviously had invested in, 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 I guess, the patent for the guy who actually made this. And it is essentially a Delron or plastic handle that attaches to the base plate of a trim router. And so then you put a flush trim bin on it. And rather than getting like a lipping planer, you can use your spiral bits to now do edging for solid wood edge banding and whatnot. It was an inexpensive buy, and I was actually looking at getting a lipping planer. And I think the reason why I thought of it, because, Guy, you have that nice, beautiful, fancy Festool router that does lipping operations, correct? Mm-hmm. I used it for about two hours today. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's expensive, but, boy, is it awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I was considering that. Um, but uh, then I ended up getting this $20 lipping attachment whatever handle and it works really well fast caps have been known to have like kind of these like neat innovative things that so what did, what did you use it for that wasn't in its intended use well 
I don't know if it necessarily was not intended. I mean, it was definitely intended to route, right? I mean, the router was intended mm-hmm. to route, but you're kind of canting it off to the side and maybe not what the way it was intended to be used in that sort of position. But it ends up working pretty stinking well, you know? I can think of prob- probably a, a good example. I've, I just thought of something. Mm-hmm. So I've done, you know, a lot of bent laminations and curvilinear work. And sometimes, you know, when I do work like that, I typically use dominoes just because Morrison tenons on that stuff is just too hard to, Right. there's no reason to mess with it, but you still have to put the domino in at a precise angle. So it fits in with everything else. So I've actually, I actually used my miter sled. (laughs) What? Yeah. I used a miter sled with a wedge Mm -hmm. so I could take a curved part and put dominoes in it. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, in other words, I took the the, the curved piece where the the, the bow is down. Yep. And I put it against the the, the fence on the crosscut sled. Mm -hmm. And the Incra is, you know, it, it goes all the way to the edge. So, and then I could take that and I used a wedge underneath it to position that piece so that when I put the domino in, it would be at a, at a perpendicular. Yeah. You, face. you wedge it until it's 90 on the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that might be a good example of using something it was not intended to use. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to see that. Do you have that on your Instagram guy? Uh, I did it on video. That was oh, you did. for my, credenza project you did you do okay. yeah and I, i've used that same i use that same method on my bow front cabinet to square off the edges of the, the curved door yeah uh the walnut credenza right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and I've, I've done it where you've uh where i've clamped it to the mft table too yeah and done yeah. it that way but for some reason on this one it wouldn't work i can't remember why hmm I think it was just okay. too long and it was just coming apart. Anyways, that's a tough question. I, I really wish I would have read it two or three days ago and had more time to think about it because it's, as like I said, it's a very good question. Yeah. And I think let's think about this and let's, re- can we revisit the, the same question again? Yeah. We'll revisit that, it in another episode. Is that or doable? Yeah, I think so. I think that's All fair right. enough. Maybe. 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 All right, right, Nick. Thank you so much for the question. I'm going to pass it off to you, guy. Before you go, guy, let me... This has something to to do with what we said. We had a a quick question from Alan asking your DeWalt trim router, because this this is what what we were just talking about. Is that the DWP611 by any chance? I believe so. Okay. That answers a question from Alan. Carry on. Perfect. So the next question I have is from Jonathan, and he writes, I have a Makita corded track saw that I've had for about four years. I don't have a table saw, so the track saw is probably my most used power tool, and I'm really relying on it to give me straight, finished cuts I can reference from. Recently, I was cutting some Baltic birch for a jig where squareness of the panels is critical. So I was checking every cut afterwards. I found that my track saw was not cutting straight. I haven't put a ruler to it, but I might be 164th or maybe a 132nd out over four feet. I took everything apart, cleaned the sawdust of every nook, cleaned the grip strips on the track, cleaned the wax tile, cleaned and waxed the top of the track, cleaned the blade, tightened the track snuggers. I checked the back edge of the track against my straight edge, and that appears straight. So everything is working the way it's supposed to. Do you guys have any suggestions? The blade I have on it is more than two years old, so I ordered a new one. If that doesn't help, I can reach out to Makita about how to check and adjust the blade for squareness relative to the track slot on the saw base. If none of that works, I'll probably order a 55-inch Festool guide rail. Amazon reviewers say they work interchangeably with the Makita saw. Anyways, I find this very frustrating. I'm glad to have a reason to write in. Love the show. Thank you all, Jonathan. So I do not have a Makita track saw. I know somebody that does, Sean. Don't you? Indeed. Have okay. So um, 
straight cuts that are perfect on a track saw is getting perfect straight cuts is very, even with the Festool and all brand new, it's kind of difficult. There's always going to be slight variations. Even when you're using a table saw, there's some slight variations. And a 64th of an inch over four feet or a 32nd of an inch over four feet is not something to really get up in arms about. If it was an eighth inch or a quarter inch, you know, yeah, that's really going to affect the project. But a 32nd of an inch over four feet, I, I don't know if that would have a great of an impact on the project as you think it does. What, what I, the two things I would look at on this, I would look at the blade and the strip. I would replace both of those. So that's where I would start. Sean, you have the floor. You have the saw. Now, the blade's two years old, you know, and this is your only your only tool. You don't have a table saw. This is your only tool. But, I mean, that's a good place to start, uh, you know, because if you're using it, if this is your main cutting device, it could be the blade's dirty, you know, it's worn out, needs to be sharpened, whatever. Uh, that's a good place to start. Now, you said you check the back edge of the track. I would check the front edge against the straight edge and see what you're getting. You know, I did, I, I didn't, I didn't, I've never cut and checked mine. The only time I ran into problem with my Makita tracks is when I put them together. I bought mm-hmm. two, I bought an extra 55 inch. Um, I think what size is that? They 55. Well, I bought an additional Makita track. And when joining those, there's no freaking way I was getting a straight cut. No way. Yeah. Um, it was just a mess. So I ended, I ended up, up buying, I ended up buying a 10 for <laughs> Yeah. So I ended up buying uh, the longer Festool uh, track for the Makita. It, I mean, it, you can use it. I think there are some differences between the, uh, obviously between the way the Makita and the Festool fit the track, the Makita will fit the Festool track. Um, I do, uh, I do use it fine. I know there, someone emailed us and said there was a couple of differences. I can't remember what it was, but I've not had any issues with using my Makita on the Festool can you uh, the, interchange it pretty quick? I mean, do you have to make any adjustments when you change the different tracks? No. Nope. Okay. Just unlock yeah. it, slap it on there, and then tighten it back down. Yeah. You know, the adjustments. Yeah. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You know. So the snuggers, you got to change the snuggers a little bit. What do you mean by change? Well, tighten like tighten it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if, if you tighten it at all, it's going to keep it on the track. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you slide it in from the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to loosen them and take it off of any track unless you slide it off. But yeah, yeah. I'm with a guy. I'm, I've never checked mine after just cutting off of one track. I would check the strip, you know, check the front edge, check the blade. But chances are, you're if if the track is not warped, bent, crooked, whatever, I can't see going to a longer ten foot or a fifty five inch festival. God rail is going to give you any better results unless you can figure out what's going on with the, uh, with the saw. Well, I've been a bad engineer. I've never checked the straightness of either my festival track. I have a Mikita track as well. Never, never tested it. I guess I've never really noticed it. And maybe it's been off a 64th or a 32nd, but I've not noticed it. You don't go chasing anything until it pops up and you have to. Right. Right. It it just didn't. But I I mean, if it was, if you're, you're making a, a six foot cut, and you know the, the the back edge of the the track is mm-hmm. perfectly parallel or perpendicular, whatever mm-hmm. the situation is. But the back rail that the, the 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 saw is gliding on is perfectly in place, and you make the cut, and at the end of it, after four feet, it's off a thirty second of an inch. <sighs> so it doesn't. It, seem I like guess my point concern. is. 32nd of an inch, I'm not worried about. Yeah. I wonder if you're just having deflection because of a bad, a dirty blade, a dull blade. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that, that would be my, my guess. I'm probably wrong. I have been wrong once before. <laughs> I remember that day. I do remember <laughs> that day. It was the day I said I do to wife number two. Oh. 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, awkward silence. Um, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't worry too much about being a 30 second off, you know, over a four foot span. It doesn't seem to. I mean, I've been off that much on the table saw before. Yeah. Not but but I've been that, that much off on the tracks on track saws too. And it's sure. like, okay, and I'm I'm willing to live with it because yeah. I know if I know it's there, I can make arrangements with other pieces to compensate for that. Right. You know what I mean? It's typically yep. when you're you're making or cutting a four foot long piece, you know, if, if you're using hardwood too, you know, there you should be using a different blade for that. He doesn't yeah. really say if it's hardwood or ply. Yeah. Um, Good point. Good so point. you should be using a different blade to rip with. Uh, Festival has a blade. They call it the Panther blade. I think it's like a 28 tooth blade. Mm. Um, I have one of those to rip solid wood with. You know, it's like if you're cutting slabs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that I cut slabs, but. Um, you cut the live edge off. <laughs> yeah, I used to cut the live edge off. Um, no, because I, you know, if you, I, I used to track saw quite a bit to give me a straight line rip. Yeah. Because it's just too, I'm not going to sat there on the joiner for an hour and go zip, 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 zip. You know, I, I'm just going to cut it. So I have a nice straight edge and you can't cut it at the table saw. Yep. So, um, anyways. I think it's the blade. I agree. Be a good starting point. Clean it, get a new one, or sharpen it. Let us know what happens, Jonathan. Yeah. Be interested to hear. All right. So this is going to go back to me for my final question. And this is from Mark. With increasingly limited space in my workshop, how do you decide what scraps to get rid of and which to keep? Mark. You know, I've thought about this question several times because I think we answered it maybe a couple of years ago when we first started. And I don't, I'm, I don't know if my answer is the same or not. Um, I've evolved since then, but <laughs> you know, I thought about this for a while and I'm like, I don't have a lot of scrap. If I have scrap, it's small cutoffs. When I, let's say I design a table, I'm making a leg. Okay. I draw out the, you know, I draw out the pieces on the eight quarter stock. I cut it on the bandsaw as close as I can. I mill it. I cut the final size. I have no scrap, maybe a quarter inch from where I'm truing up the ends. If I'm making aprons, you know, I measure out the, the stock that I have, cut it, mill it. I maybe have a quarter inch extra scrap. If I'm making the top, same thing. I measure what I need, cut it, mill it, edge join it, glue it up. Bam. I got a top. I don't have a lot of scrap. The only time I have scrap is when I screw something up. And or you know, you're working with plywood. Working with plywood? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, plywood a lot of times, yeah. Not for me. I don't. No. One I, of those I guys mean, that maximize the cut. Oh, you re- better believe it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I see and see all of my parts. I don't have any waste. No. But uh I don't when it comes time, you know, to dealing with with like I was thinking my last project was that bow front cabinet. I had two scrap pieces for the top and the bottom because I cut the sliding dovetails too too long and, and ended up screwing that up. That's scrap, yeah, but that's just their mistakes. Now, where I often, you know, wish I would have scrap is when I'm setting up a, a router, setting up, you know, mm-hmm. dado stack yeah. so that I can have test pieces. I often kick my own butt time and time again because I don't have scrap because I'm way too tight on making my pieces that I always forget to have scrap to set up these bits and blades and dado stacks and all that stuff. But if I do have a scrap, I will stick it in one of the three trash cans in my, they're, they're just trash. They, they hold the lumber scrap lumber. I have three trash cans in my shop that I only empty, you know, once every three or four months. So that way, you know, if I need it within, the three or four months, I'll use it, especially if I'm working on that same project. If I don't, I take it to the dump. I get rid of it because I, you know, you I don't have, have a lot of big. Take it to the dump. You can't put it on the street. No, I mean, I no, I don't, I don't think so. I can only, I no, I can't. Just wondering. No, 
I didn't want to go in, you know, too much detail about my trash pickup, but <laughs> <laughs> the policy states. I'm interested. I'm interested. No, no. I mean, I could, I can stick it in my big trash can probably, but no, I just always take it out to the, uh, to our dump and then also give them the, um, the dust out of my dust, the chips out of the dust collector, because they end up giving that back out to people to put in a paint cans to dry this stuff out. I'm a good yeah. citizen, but no, I don't, I don't have a lot of scrap. And if I do, I'll hang on to it for a few months and then I'll build a box out of some of the larger pieces. Yeah. Otherwise it's in the, uh, in the dump. I mean, yep. plywood, I can, I can definitely see that with plywood. You know, I, I will agree with you there. I do have more scrap plywood in in my shop than anything. Cause I use it for random stuff that I don't, you know, I don't plan out as well as I do furniture. Yeah. yeah. Typically if a piece of lumber as scrap is not about at least 18 inches long and maybe four inches wide. Yeah. At minimum, it goes right yeah. in the trash. How, that being said, when I build a project, I keep all my cutoffs. Yes. All of them. Mm-hmm. I have garbage can, you know, it's like one of those, you know, uh, stand up ones, you know, they're real thin. It's like a kitchen garbage can. Mm. I throw all my cutoffs in there. And I keep them because you never know what Sean was talking before about like setting up router tables or data stacks or whatever. It's nice to have those pieces. Yep. Um, and I say, I always save all my cutoffs, but at the end of the project, it gets chopped up and it gets thrown in the trash. Gone. Yeah. 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 I, I, <laughs> it's short, but I think relevant story. Um, about, Eight years ago, maybe nine years ago, I rebuilt my lumber rack from a horizontal to vertical, and I'm very glad I did. I found a piece of wood in there. That was a piece of cherry. It's a 22-inch wide. It's about maybe three feet long, and it's just a beautiful piece of wood. It's got some really nice um, uh, pitch pocket marks in it, which I like. And it's just a pretty piece of wood. And I put it in a stack in 1997. Dang. To this day, it's still in my my stack. Your lumber stack? Yep. It's still there. I just saw it the other day when yeah. I was looking for wood. Has it- I, I, have a, I have a special cart that I keep all my, my cutoffs in. Dang. And when it becomes like a big Jenga thing, mm-hmm. where I'm trying to pull a piece out and all the other pieces are falling down, that's when I, I, I take the cart, I bring it over to my miter saw, I bring the garbage can close to my miter saw, I start cutting it up into like, you know, eight or nine foot chunks and it goes in the trash. Yeah. And that's it. Eight or nine inch chunks. Yeah. 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 So they fit in the trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So my biggest problem is, uh, in terms of scrap, is uh, is plywood because you always have like that... 22 inch long by 11 inch wide piece. There's like, eh, I'll keep that around. I can use it for a jig or something. And those are the hardest ones for me to get rid of. But just like you guy, just like you, Sean, I've got a trash bin that um, accumulates my scrap. And once it gets filled up, I go in there and I say, keep, keep, get rid of it, get rid of it, keep, 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 get rid of it. You know, I'm just going through and just making a judgment call like, hey, this is nice long piece. It's very square. I'll keep that around. You know, another thing that I, I have is, uh, is particularly lit, like with my thicker chunks of wood, I've got a buddy who's a wood turner and he's just constantly turning out stuff. So I just, I just tell him, Hey, I've got, you know, uh, I don't know, premium cherry from when I built this dining table and it's eight quarter thick and I've got a whole bunch of chunks here, take them and he'll pick through it and, and take whatever. But I also live in a city that allows us to have fire pits. So we have a fire pit and oftentimes yeah, in the not, fall. We're not, we're not allowed to have that such thing. Yeah, you know, I look at the the, the the scrap that we generate where I work. Yeah. I threw out, <laughs> I throw out all kinds of stuff. I mean, stuff that people would want, you know, like quarter sheets of plywood. But we just don't have room for it. My plywood rack only holds so much stuff. So it's like, okay, it's only 18 inches wide, but it's full length. I can't do anything with it. Right. 
those cabinets are, you know, at least, at least 23 and a quarter. Yeah. So it's like, what do you do with it? Nothing. It goes in the trash. Yep. We throw, we have a couple uh, bins out back that we throw a lot of, a lot of scrap in. And there's guys that come and pick it up. Oh, they pick through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I built two tables yesterday. They gave me an order for two tables. They're, I think, 42 by 72. I had to make Mm -hmm. legs and aprons. I built everything out of the scrap lumber pile. Nice. That we have there. I do that all the time. So I, I guess what I'm saying is if the scrap is big enough to do something with, hold on to it for a little bit. But if it starts mm-hmm. getting in your way, get rid of it. Yeah. But save your scrap from that particular project that you're working at the moment because those are excellent clamping calls. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there there are some uh, scrap that I still have that are at least two to three years old just because they are um, two Babinga door frames that I screwed up. <laughs> the uh, the wrap. No, I screwed up the size. They were a little too small. I just can't, I can't bring myself to throwing them away. I mean, they're, they could be turned into some pretty cool picture frames. If I had these custom, uh, you know, pictures that fit just these door frames, but I still throw them from wall to wall and getting them out of my way. And I just can't, I can't bring myself to throwing them away. I have this 14 inch wide, three foot long piece of Jatoba, but what the heck am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do with it because uh, it's like I don't have any other Jatoba. You could, I mean, I mean make a box. That's yeah. better. So that stuff is hard. Box not a lot of those little scraps. Yeah. Have you worked with it, Sean? Oh yes. It's like it's like cutting rock. It's insanely <laughs> hard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Try running it through your uh, joiner. Try seriously. Rip know. it to your full no. full capacity and try try a face joining it. No. Mm. Give that a go. <laughs> Guys like, no, just get rid of it. You don't need it. I don't need to deal with that crap. It yeah. would be so slow. It is insane. It's like rock. Yeah. yeah. But anywho, all right, we're going to talk about what we have going on, on in our shop since the last episode. And uh, I'm going to pick um, Hui. All right. So I finished... The dining table for my wife, which is also a, an article that Rockler is going to put in there. Um, I guess it's not their, uh, what is it, Woodworker's Journal. It's it's their other online periodical or whatever. But uh, finish that. Looks great. Just uh, did a simple wiping poly on it and uh, rounded the corners so that uh, you can play games around it and whatnot. And then um, I've started working on this conference table that... Uh, and I have a, a commission for, uh, hopefully I can get it done in about four weeks. <laughs> we'll see if, we'll see if that happens. Hopefully so. But that's all I've got going on. How about you guy? What do you got going on? Uh, I'm still working on the task side for the last couple weekends. I've been doing honeydew stuff. So I've been doing like blinds and moving lights fixtures around and changing plugs and switches and stuff like that in the house. It's kind of boring, but, uh, I did get the new cherry top done for the desk. So all I have to do is I have to cut that. I'm going to trim it with, I've got some, um, tiger maple that I'm going to trim it with. And then I'm going to do an ebony inlay between the two. And the drawer faces are done. So once that's done, it's just a matter of doing finish prep on it and then putting the finish on it. And I did decide to use um, the oil-modified water-based conversion varnish. That, mm. That's a mouthful. That target coating sells. Have so, you used that before? Is that a new? No, use? it's, but I, I've, I've used their, their convert, their water-based conversion varnish before mm-hmm. both, um, you know, the, the, the clear stuff and the pigmented and it's tough as nails. It's a hard finish and yeah. I think it's going to be perfect for that. So I'm going to do shellac first, a couple coats of shellac, uh, to help pop the grain. And then I'm going to put the oil modified. The, the stuff on there. Yeah, it's. I think it's mostly a color. 
I don't think it's okay. going to pop the grain, um, but it's going to give it more of an amber glow. So that's about it. What about you, Sean? Well, you know, I've been having uh, fun dealing with this veneer box. Um, <clears throat> it's, uh, you know, I've gotten the box separated on the bandsaw. I've gotten everything flattened. I've got the top and the bottom veneered. Um, I'm at the point now where I need to install hinges and then put a light chamfer around the top edge and the bottom edge. Nice. And then I'm going to, my sister's asking me to build her something again. I'm hopefully if I wait long enough, she'll buy something, <laughs> but I need to measure. I need to measure for a, a desk, just a, you know, just a table, pretty much a custom table. So, yeah. Send her a gift card. <laughs> yeah. She'll get the hint. So I need to measure for that and start to sketch something up, but I, you know, it's just going to be a basic tabletop. I'm pretty sure that's kind of an odd shape to fit around, you know, her dog crates, at least one of the dog crates and to fit in a very specific spot in her house. So we'll see how that turns out. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how we change things in our household around the dogs? Yeah. Dogs yeah. and children. Yeah. Well, children, not so much. You just put them in a closet. <laughs> but dogs, you know, we, we, I, it's like I do things all the time. It's like, well, I, I can't do it that way because it's, it's going to be inconvenient for my dog. Yeah, this is an odd looking shape for a table. So, I mean, it's it's going to be pretty good size too. I think from what what she told me. So cool. it's going to be a plywood top with solid wood edge banding, and uh, I'm interested to see how you like that that uh that finish you're using on yours i don't think that i would spray anything i just don't have the freaking room to set some stuff up well that's this stuff is, is going to be sprayed yeah. yeah so i wouldn't have the room for that but so that's what i've got going on in my shop um really having fun doing the veneer boxes uh i completely screwed up the proportions of this box but the only reason it is the size that it is is because i used a small piece of veneer that I didn't want to throw away. That was a pretty good looking wing, a wingy looking piece that, uh, you know, I was able to make a little box out of it. So I think that'll do it for this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from a woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions, you would like answered, they don't necessarily have to be woodworking questions. Uh, you can <laughs> send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com. Or DM us through Instagram at Woodshop Life. We'd also like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. If you've not done that yet, please do so. And I'm sure there's some other apps you can leave us uh, reviews in as well, not just iTunes. But it really helps in the search rankings. And, of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. You can reach me at SimpleCove.com and at SimpleCove on Instagram and YouTube. Hui, where can they find you? You can find me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. And Guy, where can we find you? Uh, at Guy's Woodshop on Instagram. There you go. You can get a daily glimpse into my fabulous woodworking life. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you. See you.